Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining me, Patricia Casey, on You Can Cook Too. Today, I'm going to give you a recipe for banana bread. I know there are gazillions of these recipes doing the rounds after COVID, but this is a very simple one. It was given to me by my son, James, who worked in a coffee shop when he was a student in St. Andrews in Scotland. And this was a homemade banana bread that the owner made himself and used to serve to the customers. No wonder he did very well in the coffee shop because it's a gorgeous bread. So you need 100 grams of sultanas, 75 mils of bourbon or dark rum or brandy, four very ripe bananas so that they'll weigh about 300 grams without the skin. That's after you've peeled them. Two teaspoons of baking powder, a half teaspoon of bicarbonate of soda, a half teaspoon of salt, two large eggs, 175 grams of plain flour, 60 grams of chopped walnuts. These can be left out because I don't like walnuts and I don't put the walnuts in when, when I do it. A teaspoon of vanilla essence or extract, 150 grams of sugar, and 125 grams of butter melted, usually unsalted, but if you haven't got it unsalted, the salted variety will be fine. So you put the sultanas and alcohol into a saucepan and bring, bring, bring it to a boil. And then you take, take it off the heat and leave it for about an hour or more until the sultanas have plumped up and absorbed most of the liquid. And it will take at least an hour and maybe longer. Meanwhile, you put the oven on to 170 degrees Celsius or gas mark three, and you put the flour, the baking powder, the bicarbonate of soda and the salt into a bowl and mix them all together. I guess it's a good idea to sieve them to get out any lumps. And then in a separate bowl, you mix the melted butter and the sugar together and beat them together until the sugar has blended into the melted butter. Then you slowly beat in the eggs one at a time, then the mashed bananas, followed by the sultanas, the walnuts if you're using them, and the vanilla. And you add the flour mixture, about a third at a time, to the liquid mixture and stir after you've added each, each bit. And then you put, uh, you get a, a loaf tin, 23 by 13 by 7 centimeter loaf tin, and you butter it. Um, and put a little bit of flour um, in the bottom and the sides as well. Or if you have a paper insert, one that you can, you know, that will fit the, the saucepan, use that instead. You pour the mixture into the loaf, loaf tin and you bake it for one to one and a half hours in the middle of an oven. And you do it until a skewer will come out when you Put it when you will come out clean when you put it into the loaf. This bread is absolutely gorgeous and it, it lasts for, well, if, if there's any left to last, it lasts for about a week without, you know, going mouldy or anything. Now, I was listening to some music here at home last night and I came across an old Roy Orbison CD and I thought I would entertain 
the listeners to, to this programme with one of his very famous songs called In Dreams. In Dreams was recorded in 1963 and it's, it's a plaintive, um, sad kind of song. It's melancholic, but the voice of Roy Orbison is so well suited to it. It's got a, a big range for the voice. It requires at least a two octave range. Roy Orbison actually had a three octave range, which is higher than even some opera singers have, he, and certainly much more than pop singers have. He was actually one of the few pop singers who had quite a distinctive voice. Um, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, I can listen to one pop singer and another and hardly tell the difference. But but the the timbre of his voice is just so different and so um, so melodic and so plaintive. He's an interesting. He had, he had an interesting and a tragic history. His first wife was killed in a, a motorcycle accident. They were um, on two separate motorcycles. He was driving ahead of her, and she she collided with. I, I don't know what, but she she died. And then a few years later, in a house fire, two of his three children um, were lost their lives. Thereafter, he said he would never again go to a funeral, which he didn't. He did remarry and had two other children from his second marriage, but he died at a young age. He was only 52 when he died visiting his mother, uh, his mother's house in, I think it was Tennessee, and he uh, suffered a heart attack. He was invited to England in 1963 to sing with the Beatles or in a, to, to perform in a concert, at least, which the Beatles were, were the main, were, were the headline group. And he had never heard of the Beatles, but he agreed to do it. And when he arrived, of course, England was full of Beatlemania and he knew that he was not going to be the headline act. So he he went first um, to kind of warm up the audience for for the the main the main stars of the evening, but after his performance he got fifteen encores and he did each one. He was allowed to double the amount of time he played for. Of course, that meant he was cutting into the time the Beatles would have on stage. So by the time the fifteenth encore came, the Beatles held him back, physically restrained him from going on stage again because they didn't know when it would end. Um, he it was a very successful tour for him, but his career stalled in the nineteen seventies, and nothing was heard of him for quite a long time. But then um, a writer called David Lynch, um, or I think he was a film producer called David Lynch, produced a, a, a macabre and a horror, a horror movie called Blue Velvet. And In Dreams was played in that time and time again. It was, it, it was necessary for the storyline to repeat it. Interestingly for Orbison, he hadn't been asked for permission to use his material. So he was very annoyed about it and very upset about it because his song was written uh, for love and tragedy, not um, to depict horror and, and terror. But in any event, the the movie and the use of his song um, led to a, a resurrection in his career. And he again recorded in dreams and started performing again. However, it all came to an, an abrupt end when he um, passed away. If you watch him performing, he's actually not a good performer. He, he, he wouldn't you wouldn't be riveted to him when he's on stage. He doesn't have much of a presence. He stands still 
uh, he he plays his guitar. Um, you can't see his eyes because he wore his dark glasses. The story behind them is not that he had any visual problem, as you might have expected, but he was touring and he left his own glasses behind. He forgot to bring them with him. So he put out his sunglasses and wore them um, at the performance. And after that, they became his signature. Anyway, he recorded in Dreams sometime in the early 1980s with K.D. Lang. And she said, uh, commenting on his stage presence or the absence of his stage presence, she said he wasn't like Elvis Presley. You know, you, you would look at him and your loins would not be burning. It was as if he was there to give solace and a safe place. And I think that depicts a lot of his songs. So I hope you enjoy In Dreams by Roy Orbison. <laughs> 